0: Yeah. It's
1: going to start now. Look- no, I'm going to tell you, gonna rap. it's going to, no, it's going to start now.
0: But it doesn't have to start now. It can but like, it. when you
1: edit, it's going to be me saying, and we're starting now. This yeah. isn't my podcast, it's yours.
0: But that's when it's going to start. <laughs> that's when it's going to It should be your podcast. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what's, what's in the koozie? Is that a beer? Or is that a yeah? Yeah, is a beer. This is, this is Janet, dude. Genesee. Oh, the Genesee. Genesee. I've, I haven't had the... That's like strictly a, an upstate New York beer, right?
1: Rochester made.
0: Yeah. I'd be surprised they don't have it at the Wegmans in the city. Maybe? I don't know. I'm not a big beer guy anymore. Or I don't know if I ever not was into never, never no, no, Not into the haves? Never, never. Not into the haves. No more, No, but, no more but we're... That's shit. a joke that like three people will get. I know, I know. <laughs> What about Desperado? Um, oh, shit. What
2: about Desperado? Say,
1: I'm like, no, you're not a beer guy, but I bet this guy's into Desperados. He seems like a tequila-flavored that? beer kind of guy. Oh,
0: no, not at all. I, I don't drink tequila. I, I never told you guys that I don't drink tequila. No. No. Okay, that's a story for off-air. Okay. Um, but there is a story there for that's too personal why you don't drink tequila that's too that's too personal it's way too it's way too personal yeah it's a very (laughs) deep cut but i haven't had i haven't had tequila in like 12 years damn yeah
1: i'm like wow since you were 12 (laughs) i keep thinking like we're all 24 and it's like dude, no i'm closer to i'm closer to my aarp card than i am my high school graduation not It's it like not true sometimes. at all. My hips it's say yes. It's not true at all.
0: <laughs> my <laughs> knees definitely say yes. My,
1: oh, yeah. So bad.
0: <laughs> so bad. Well, Screedagers, we've, uh, we've got a very special episode for you today. I'm joined by two of my good friends, two of my old friends, uh, two college buddies, two buddies who I had the pleasure of meeting while studying abroad in London. Matt Simon, welcome into the canon. It's an absolute pleasure having you guys on um we're talking about night of the living dead today but before we get into night of the living dead we have some more catching up to do i feel like it's been it's been a while and i miss you guys how are how are y'all doing
1: dude we've missed you it's always a good time to to catch up and chat man
0: yeah there's nothing more 2023 than a guy being like hey i haven't talked to my buddies in a while how about i invite them onto my podcast <laughs> Of course, yes. <laughs> like, you you said yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever invited me on a podcast
2: before. I my first time. I don't, I don't know. I don't know much really? about podcasting.
0: Yeah. It's just you just talk. It's just talking, which is like. Yeah, apparently, what, I'm learning that goes. right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even good at talking. And I was like, you know what? I should try this whole podcasting thing out. You do such a good and- job,
1: though, because the episodes that I've listened to in preparation for this. You've really nailed down the candor, the delivery, and in terms of like subject change, you you really are a very good master of ceremonies in terms of bringing everything together. You're the chef, and merely our comments are the ingredients.
0: <laughs> I, I, I I do really appreciate that. Um, that, was, that
1: was my big swing for the fences. Like, <laughs> <this> sounds <laughs> a lot smarter than I am. You no, have the was... voice, too. I feel like you have a, a good voice that kind of, like, centers the
2: conversation, you know? Does, I do, or does Matt some does. More. No, no Matt you do, does. Matt.
0: Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, thank you. Thank both of you guys. I, I appreciate that. I've been told I have a voice for radio, and no, I've been told I have a face for radio and a voice for <laughs> silent movies.
1: I've heard voice for print. <laughs> I think both of okay. you guys should hang
2: out
0: with some nicer people that was yeah. the, that was the motto yeah. the- <laughs> speaking of a voice for print, I feel like we should give the listener a little bit of background about who you gentlemen are and why I've invited you onto the show because you're not just two of my old drinking buddies, although you know we were drinking buddies back in our day, but you are also folks who who's film opinions and just like media knowledge I totally respect and I think part of that comes from you know what you guys studied and where you guys studied so I feel like you should maybe give us a little bit of background about all of that good stuff and Matt why don't you kick us off tell us about your time at at the Newhouse School of, of Media or whatever the hell it's called
1: SI <laughs> <laughs> communications of, yeah public communications yeah I mean it's the best school or one of the best schools uh for for public communications i studied specifically television radio and film a lot of the other people that are new house products the bob costases uh you know everyone that basically ends up in sports they typically do the broadcast media journalism the uh bd or yeah bdj but uh i i studied you know how to to shoot, edit, critique, really storytell as a whole. And that's really, you know, in terms of being a consumer of media, it's really helped uh, have more of a critical lens and, and discern my own opinions. But at the same time, like what I do professionally is you know, I produce videos. I shoot, I edit, I write, you know, I'm essentially the the on-air talent, sometimes the interviewer. and Hell yeah. It, it's it's I mean, it's the one man band type deal, but in essence, like it sounds a little cheesy, but like really, you just learn to be a good storyteller and and mm-hmm. make sometimes the most mundane thing seem valuable,
0: yes, yeah, so you are obviously someone who is qualified to to talk about movies in a very intelligent <laughs> and meaningful way, which again is is why i wanted you to uh to join for this episode go new house yay go new house uh, <laughs> all right so with that i'll kick it over to simon who also has a, yeah. an academic background that makes him a good candidate to be on a podcast like this where we want to talk about movies so simon why don't you walk us through uh some of your background and what you studied at at syracuse
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny because I went to Syracuse to go to Newhouse and I was terrible at all the things that Matt is really, really good at. And so that (laughs) (laughs) can't write a script, can't make movies, can't do any of that stuff. But i I know a lot about movies. I know a lot about movie history and how to watch movies and read movies and write about movies. Uh, so that is what I ended up doing, uh, going from there to now getting my PhD, uh, in English, but with a focus on film studies and film and media history and teaching film classes and all that stuff, teaching interpretation of film next semester. So I feel incredibly qualified to talk about movies to people. Yeah, I'm I'm sure at least Raf took that class. I don't know if Matt took that class. Did we take that class
0: together? No.
2: uh, I don't know because you were a year ahead of me. So I probably took it
0: after you. So you're teaching that next semester? What's on the syllabus? Is Night of the Living Dead on the syllabus? I think Night of the Living Dead is for sure going to be on the syllabus. I mean, that's just like a great film to teach,
2: either for like just teaching horror or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It can be on in so many places. I've done that film in American, we now have an American cinema course, and we've definitely done Night of the Living Dead too. Right now I'm teaching world cinema, and I can't really work in Night of the Living Dead, but I try to work in some zombies at some point, for sure.
0: Oh. Okay, wait, I think I want to talk to you off mic about your world cinema class. I want okay. to hear what's on the syllabus f- for that. Okay, Um, Dope. I really just want to hear about what's on the syllabus for all of these classes. But yeah. <laughs> Matt, I don't think you took this class with us, but Simon no. and I, after we got back from our study abroad trip in London, Simon and I took a a horror movie class that was yep. great. Oh, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to say famously, even though like I'm not famous enough for people to know this but I famously hated horror movies like I get scared really easily (laughs) but it was like one of two classes that were available that semester for our program so I was like screw it I'll take it even though like half of these movies are going to terrify me and I'm pretty sure Night of the Living Dead was was on that syllabus
2: yeah it was on the syllabus and I also distinctly remember Raph like the very first day of class was like, oh shit, we're watching Poltergeist and this movie scared the shit out of me. And then of course we watch it in like a film screening, like a dark classroom and the movie ends
0: and Raph stands up and goes, that wasn't shit. (laughs) I'm not scared. That's a great movie, but I'm not scared, like immediately. But I made it out alive and I feel like now I have a much greater appreciation for the genre as a whole um, in ways that I would not have. Like now I- A lot of those movies that I thought I was going to be terrified of are now movies that I love. Poltergeist, Night of the Living Dead, Halloween. I thought I was going to be terrified of Halloween. Scream. I remember we watched Scream. Hostel was cool. Uh, Matt, you really missed out, dude.
1: Dude, I just like... First off, to be in a class with both of you, I mean, nothing would have gotten done. We would have just been basically That's doing true. this. That's true. This would have been the discussion. It's just us three basically hosting a podcast 10 years <laughs> prior. But, like, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because I equally, like, I, growing up, like, I did not have any desire to, like, watch horror films. Like, it didn't appeal to me at all. And, like, I think the scariest movie that I ever saw as a young kid that like kind of turned me off from anything remotely scary i think like i caught bits and pieces of mars attacks that really threw me off oh what a i mean also like seeing that now it's phenomenal because of everything surrounding it the tim burton goofiness but also it was signs that seemed like every i feel like Nine out yeah. of ten millennials always goes, yeah, dude. That scene where it walks by scared the yeah. crap out of me. I always had nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> so there, we got one. We got two, Raph. I don't know <laughs> if you're our, our third,
0: but like for, for signs, that, like that scene doesn't terrify me that much. But it also may be because the first time I saw it, I was like 28.
1: Okay, okay. So that I was yeah. like 12. It's
0: different, bro. It's
1: different. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. So it's definitely different. Hits different, but. I I never had that desire to like watch horror. And I think ultimately it was probably like when I was maybe 19, 20, like college age that it was right when the walking dead came out and I'm like, Oh, like Mm. this is actually really well done. I like the storytelling. This is cool. Learning more about like, you know, the, the comic books and stuff that it came out from. And it like felt, it felt more accessible and palatable.
3: Mm-hmm. And more, like,
1: widely accepted. And therefore, yeah. like, I knew, like, zombie films as a whole, and they had existed forever. But, like, this was, like, the first thing where I'm like, this makes zombies cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. Dude, The Walking Dead was huge while we were in college. Yeah. Huge. It was, like, yeah, when it's, those first
2: couple of seasons were, like, massive. Yeah. It was, like, everyone, it was, like, Game of Thrones, you know, when Game of yeah. yeah. yeah, Thrones. Yeah. Like, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. the thing
0: everyone was talking about. When did you guys give up on The Walking Dead? What season? <sighs> Oh, I gave up really early, actually. <laughs> I
1: think I th- think it was it was either season four or five. That it was before they met Negan. It was definitely before they met Negan. It was after the prison. It was it was after Lori died. It was after the baby happened. <laughs>
0: uh Okay. Yeah. I vaguely remember the baby. Yeah. I, oh, think I remember other than
1: you, Rick. I
2: gave up somewhere in the in the prison scenario. Like I, think that's that, where I Which I think from. it's even yeah. three or four.
1: Yeah, I think that was three. Because two, is, okay, the yeah. farm. two, is, two three. is the farm. Two is the farm.
2: Two is the farm. Yeah, but two was fucking boring. I'm sorry. That was like the most boring <laughs> season of TV. There were no <laughs> zombies. Everyone was like,
1: but there were cry all cuts. the time. There were budget no. cuts. And they was, like, took, took a look at the humanity of this. This is the same guy that's going to tell you that, dude, The Last of Us really takes a look at the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great storytelling. Uh, There's not a lot of zombies of in The
0: com- Last of Us comes up on the show a lot. That's I, the, that's I the rated I'm, right now. Thank and you. I've never seen or played Last three. of Us. I really want to get in my my impression of Rick from The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Carl. You need to get <laughs> supplies. That's it.
2: <laughs> that was. It no. is it's that loud whisper is really you really nail it. You know it was it's like just was- he'd whispering but he'd yelling. Half what of the was show the was
1: him of-
0: whisper yelling. Carl. Carl.
1: <laughs> Carl. <laughs> what was the name of the the RV guy? Was it Dale? the The wide eyed old guy.
0: He's like, oh, oh. Was Dale? Oh no, Dale was no. It was Dale season was, one. Uh,
1: Dale like Who is, sat in that. Oh, I'm thinking that of Daryl. Yeah, 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 and then Darryl, his, yeah. And then
0: his older brother Merle came.
1: Yeah, there, Darryl, is, me, there Merle. is Merle Merle, Merle a lost his hand.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, there is a character. I don't know if he's in the show though, because I didn't watch enough of the show. But there is a character in The Walking Dead named after the actor from uh Night of the Living Dead. Oh, yeah! Really there, is a, <laughs> there is a there is a character named Dwayne Jones in The Walking Dead. I think it's like the kid, like the neighbor's kid, or something at the beginning, which what is was a reference to Dwayne Johnson? The Dead. Dwayne, Dwayne Jones.
1: Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tim and Kevin Hart, and they. Dude, I love you, <laughs>
1: It's just Jumanji, but with zombies. <laughs> but with zombies.
0: with zombies. Yeah. I'm sure those guys haven't done CVs. more of that.
1: Yeah. Is that the yeah. guy?
0: There's a guy, there's a random guy in the first episode who's with his son. And yeah. I guess a bunch of zombies come and he's like, get away from the window. And yeah. it's a super random throwaway line. But some of my other buddies from college, we used to quote that all the time. Like whenever someone was by a window, <laughs> <laughs> get away from the window. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I
2: don't know. I don't remember from the show, but I remember in the in the uh, comic book that that is the name of that kid. Yeah,
0: interesting. That. And the window—that's a good. Uh, hey, that's storytelling. That's a good you reference to. Yeah, I mean, that's you know that's how they do it, dude. That's crazy. All right, so we've got some background on how we all feel about horror movies in general. We've got some background about how at least how you guys you know know and understand movies. I think in general, so people won't just be like, who are these Jarronis? Why are they telling talking to me about Night of the Living Dead? I they don't might still say that. But that's okay. Yeah, they might still say that. <laughs> but if they do, it's not very nice. We don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we have enough of a background for us to actually get into the to the movie. You guys both gave really good transitions that could have been used to get into the movie, but I'm not going to use either one of them because <laughs> It's my show, and we do what I say. Damn it! (laughs) I am the
1: captain now. I am the captain now.
0: Always, always in forever. I really appreciate the effort, but uh, get out of get out of here with that. So, I usually like. I feel like we like to start the conversation with just like a basic understanding of your first time watching the movie, sort of how you felt about this movie over time, your overall relationship with it. So, Simon, why don't you talk us through that first? you want me to start how deep do you want me to get give us the vibe of like your general relationship to it all right like, did you always love it? it did you hate it and then come to love it i think i didn't always love night of the living dead
2: um i think it's, it's a it's obviously like an such an amazing film and now it's one of my all-time favorites but i think it's, it's kind of a lot to get into if you're looking for like a bloody horror movie because it is older, right? And you're not expecting the same thing. One of the Mm -hmm. things that I always feel I watch this movie is that uh, I've seen this movie now like 20 to 25 times and I could not tell you the whole movie takes place in a farmhouse and I couldn't tell you at all like what the rooms in the farmhouse are because it's like a very claustrophobic movie every shot is like a close-up they're like all arguing the whole movie Mm. in like intense close-up with each other i think the first time i watched it i was probably young and i was like why are they all yelling at each other fight the zombie but that's the
0: point of the movie (laughs) 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 that's the point (laughs) when did you come to love the movie was it after viewing Was it after viewing 24?
2: I think it might have been after viewing like four or five maybe and like learning a little more context about like these guys made this movie for basically no money. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are basically no hired actors on the movie at all other than the two leads that it's kind of just like a bunch of people like making a movie. And I think that that's why the movie feels like so intimate when you watch it that you're like, you're like literally watching like what, Two couples, and then uh, Ben and Barbara, right? Like all in this like very yeah. cramped room, yelling at each other the whole time, and being horrified of whatever's outside. Don't you know, Get away from the window, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I think it took me a while to appreciate that element of the movie. It's a little bit if you've just watched like the Walking Dead or like modern zombie movies, and you expect mm-hmm. a gore fest, the indie movie from 1968 is not going to be the gore fest that you anticipate right
0: so yeah well can i push back on that a little bit because i feel that's like fine. the one the one scene where it shows the zombies eating body parts is super gory like that's yeah. Pretty yeah, intense yeah, yeah. even for now i i think that's like well and i don't know and I,
1: the scene like where uh was whoever was in the farmhouse upstairs like that first glimpse of the the eaten face oh that's like, you know, eye yeah that was very jarring. And especially like, cause in the context of knowing like this movie was made in 1968, the special effects aren't there. Like, so like the bar, like you said earlier is like, okay, it's not going to be a gore fest. And then all of a sudden that happens. You're like, whoa, okay. Maybe, maybe a little more than I expected. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Matt, what's your background relationship with this movie?
1: This was my first viewing. I've only seen <gasps> the film once. Yeah, I know. And, and like I'm kind of ashamed for not have having seen it earlier. I think at the same token, like in in my head, I was like, I always got anything of the deads mixed up. Like I was like, oh yeah, Evil Dead Two. I think it's a part of that. No, clearly, not. I've seen Evil Dead Two. No other. There we go. Uh, I've seen Evil Dead Two. I haven't seen any of the other films. Uh, I think oh, maybe. Yeah, I think maybe I saw Return of the Living Dead or something. It was, it, I think it was made in the '80s, and it had to deal with mm-hmm. like toxic nuclear sludge, and like it was campy, and like the main character guy like got zombified, and he could talk even though he's a zombie. He wanted brains. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. part of Roberto's that is that
2: is Return. Me. No, so that is Return of the Living Dead. But Return of the De- Return of the Living Dead is is written by the guy who, who helped write Night of the Living Dead, okay. John Russo.
0: Is Damn. Return of the Living Dead, is that also Romero? No, no. It's, it's directed by, uh, I don't remember who it's directed by, but him and
2: so John Russo is the guy that wrote mm. Return of, helped write Return of the Living Dead. He and Romero had a falling out. Mm. And so that's why he took Living Dead and Romero took Of the Dead. And that's that's why Romero oh. stopped using of the living of the living dead. Mm, well, look at that! So I didn't
0: got,
1: know that. Dude, so nice to have factoids.
0: Yeah, nice to have a film historian here. Uh, <laughs> you can just keep you can keep sprinkling in those those trivia and nuggets come up. all throughout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as yeah. you Return find your the living
2: dead is an amazing movie though i love that it's so funny but
1: it, it, it had like a much more comedic campier feel to it than yeah. this which mm-hmm. felt like basically just a sci-fi version of 12 angry men you talk Dude, you talk about
0: what a shout yeah please no continue continue so, lead us down this road
1: so it felt a lot more like and to jump off of what Simon was saying earlier, it felt a lot like 12 angry men in terms of that, that exploring the space in which, you know, argument and really power struggles and decision-making occur. But again, you are only faced with six people in, in all, but like, again, Mm -hmm. it's that tried and cliche term of like the real monsters are the humans. But like, ultimately that that is what this film I feel like wrote the playbook on is like, it's mm-hmm.
3: not
1: what's outside that is terrifying and will lead to your demise. It's not working together. And there's a lot, mm-hmm. I mean, that may be a little oversimplified and maybe try to be a little too smart on it, but that's at least what I took away from it. So like in terms of everyone shouting and like the claustrophobic feel, it was, it was, more of that dynamic that give and take between people's relationships and trying to survive and figure out what to do and make decisions of what's good for the individual and what's good for everyone in this
0: farmhouse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, all right, let's now that we're here, I feel like this is a great topic of conversation for us to use to sort of like dive a little bit deeper into the movie because like both of you guys are saying, this really is the whole movie. It's it is 12 angry men with with zombies. Um, <laughs> which is totally a thought that I had while I was re-watching it. But the movie it it's hard to not see this movie in like a political light. And I feel like a lot of what Romero has said about the movie is that like he wasn't making something political or he wasn't making a political statement. But if you're looking at like 1960s America and the conversations, the debates that people were having, you know, within their communities, within the society at large. Like a lot of it, kind of mirrors the conversations and the debates that people were having within that farmhouse. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Simon. Like, wh- what do you what do you have on that? What do you think about that?
2: I think there's a lo- I think there's a lot to do with that. I also think right. This is a great. Movie to think about like, does like the author's intention matter, right? Like, George Romero can say like all he wants, like, no, no, like Dwayne Jones was just you know the perfect actor to play Ben. There's no politics in having a black lead, and there's also like no politics in the rest of the movie. But like, we watching that, no, that's not true, right? Like, from the context. Uh it also like in that opening scene of the graveyard, like one of the first shots after the car drives up is a grave with the American flag like centered on it. And you're like, dude, like this is like this is a political film. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> um but thinking of it as like as it mirrors right like the chaos that people are experiencing like in the late sixties, that scene where they're just watching the TV to figure out what's happening is so like to be sure that like for some people resonated with whatever was happening in their home. Right. They're all yelling at each other. They're all like, pay attention. This is important. And like arguing about, uh, in this case, like whether or not some comet crashed or something, I don't even remember how many times I've seen this movie, uh, but they're all having those arguments. Right. So I, I don't know. That's what I think.
0: Matt, what do you think?
1: I, I definitely feel right. Like knowing, cause uh, I did a little bit of background research after this just to get the general sense. Cause again, meeting Dude, preparation. Ben, well, yeah, but, That's but me. like meeting, meeting Ben in this being my, the first time that I saw the film, like going into it, cold Turkey meeting Ben and knowing this film was in the sixties. I'm like, okay, this just got interesting. Uh, <laughs> what's going on? This is a rural farmhouse in, pennsylvania this is probably not going to be the most welcome place for him if even if zombies weren't there so (laughs) so like but like doing some more of uh, like the little background stuff like you know i i and simon please back me up or, or correct me if this is wrong i i heard and read that like Again, to say, like, follow up what Raph was saying about how Romero didn't want this to be a political film, that they found out that Martin Luther King was shot, like, as they were driving one of the cuts or one of the edits. So it was well, like, the film had already been shot and produced, and that's when Martin Luther King got shot. And not to spoil the ending, but it's like the one black guy in the film gets shot. And he's an innocent, you know, person. He just happens to be, you know, caught in this, you know, posse, uh, and they're not taking any chances. Like it seems a little too coincidental, right? Like to make that specific casting choice, and like it is subtle to to certain extent. It's mm-hmm. yeah, and ben, ben, and is it's
2: not hard really- not to. Yeah, I was just—it's hard not to read that moment where he gets shot, like as a moment of like, like, like state. Sanction racial violence, right? It's like a bunch of cops with the dogs, like the dogs are barking in that scene. Like it really seems like, mm-hmm. yeah. right. They're going yeah, after it, him. It, Even though, you know, in the plot, if not, it, it feels like it,
0: right? They're <laughs> very m- militia coded and militias are very coded to a certain political affiliation that doesn't typically jibe with People of Ben's background will say that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what a, um, that is a
1: very <laughs> eloquent way of putting it. Wow, <laughs> what a wordsmith!
0: Yeah, we're we <laughs> trying, man. We're trying. It's yeah. it's it's hard, right? It's it's like a hard movie to talk about in that regard because there there is so much that's great about this movie outside of that. But then when you yeah. also layer on the racial tension aspect, that like may or may not be present there. You know, it just becomes such a juicier movie. Yeah. So sort of circling back to the characters within the house. So we've got Ben, who is our main character, and the main guy that he's at odds with. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, but he's the, the
1: Cooper, Mr. Cooper. Yeah,
0: Mr. Cooper, the the father of the of the sick daughter. But it's like even so, like let's take Ben's race out of it, and if Ben is played by a white guy there's still a to me pretty clear like political clashing that's happening between the you know Ben who's like hey we should all like work together in order to save ourselves from the zombies and like we all have a part to play and a role to play in making that happen and Mr. Cooper is like I'm gonna stay downstairs with my family and only care about protecting them and like whatever happens to you guys I don't give a shit because I got to take care of me and my, and my own family. And it's sort of like, that's like the struggle of American politics, you know, time and time again of how much do we like, maybe not even like beyond, like it goes beyond America. You know, how much do we owe to each other? How much do we need to like work together as a community? How much should we just like rely on ourselves to, to make things happen? I don't know if you guys were picking up on that aspect from, from Mr. Cooper at all. For
1: sure. Like the, especially like, as it's maybe oversimplified by saying it's being proactive versus uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not ignorant, um, reactive. Well, not even reactive. And something like to, Ignorant. Well, not ignorant. What's another word for ignorant? I feel like an idiot. I'm <laughs> like not
2: stubborn, I- stubborn, arrogant, something like that.
1: No, uh, dis, not disinterested. Shit, it's like you don't care. You don't care yeah. what happens as because it doesn't affect you. What's that? Unaff- yeah. Unaffected. I don't know. That's not the word I'm looking for, but that, that with Ben's approach of let's be a team, you have this role, let's board these up. Even like before we met the gang from the the basement, Ben's telling Barbara, like, I need help breaking down this stuff so we can board up the windows, board up the door, mm-hmm. like w- get those nails, like let's search for stuff. He's being proactive and just taking charge. Whereas then all of a sudden, you meet Mr. Cooper and uh, the young couple, and it almost feels like, well, we just want to stick our head in the sand and wait till this blows over. And then, but Ben is like, no, nah, dude, like the radio is up here, the food is up here. Like, so we might as well <laughs> yeah. do it here. Like, so there are some really good, now that you bring it up, like I can see those real life political parallels that could be made for a number of different things where mm-hmm. you either it's fight or flight. Yeah. And that's really, a really good, uh, examination of that.
2: There's a weird way in which like Ben seems to be the only character. Not that, um, the young couple helped a a little bit as well. Although, they ultimately fry themselves. I was just to like, say, kind of burned them Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but where Ben is the only character who like is acknowledging the situation and every other character is doing some form of like, I want to restore order and like have what I had before people were rising from the dead, right? That like Mr. Cooper's like, I want to stay with my family. And Barbara mm. can like, we have to go get Johnny. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck are you all talking about? <laughs> like there's like, Fifteen zombies surrounding the farmhouse, and you're like, wait, <laughs> No,
0: Johnny! I love that Johnny's death isn't even. He doesn't get bitten by the zombie or anything. No, the no, it's like does, a bad concussion, <laughs> like a really bad concussion. <laughs> <laughs> like he might be okay. I mean, you, he, he might survive. He won't be okay, but there's a chance that he survived that. Yeah, but he
2: doesn't in the end. He doesn't in the end, right? Yeah, no, but there's n- oh. he might have survived for like a little bit longer like stumbling around it
1: was it was the concussion yeah Yeah. it was the concussion he ran into a guy who was like ah i can't fight got bit then that was the zombification
0: hmm what do you how do you think a concussed zombie operates just like a regular zombie or
1: i think zombies are already
0: slower right
2: but that's a good question because if you have to kill a zombie by like you know a fatal blow to the brain at what point is the blow fatal right like how much can you do before it impacts yeah the can you just that's a good question. question
0: and give it really bad whiplash and you know you have know. The, the zombies play football and a bunch of them get uh, cte and die. Yeah.
1: we need to write this script the yeah. actual zombies have cte
0: yeah
2: there's, that's the, there's that's some, the modern day political version of Night of the Living Dead, but there's something about there.
0: <laughs> there's something there for sure. It'll get right, shut let's down. get off the <laughs> let's get off the politics of it all. There's oh uh, okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of other stuff that we should be talking about with this movie. You brought up the couple that got fried, and I feel like we should circle back to them because their yep. frying is pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> and there aren't that many deaths in this movie, but I feel like one of the great things about talking about horror movies is we get to ask the question of what is the best death? Yeah. What do you guys have for that? (laughs) Simon, who do you, that's a good
2: question. Oh man. I mean, (laughs) the, this movie is like top to bottom. Good death. Like again, like it's not huge, right? Like the body count is not super stacked, right? I've seen movies with bigger body count, Uh, but it has a lot of quality ones. I do feel like uh, Mrs. Cooper's death is the best death in the movie. Like, just getting stabbed with the little, like... A trowel. ...garden thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah the trowel. And it's just, like, the echoing sound effect of her scream. It's, like, a random, like, moment that's, like, not realism, but it's so good. Yeah. Like, when she does it, it's, like, that dull sound. It's, I've seen this movie a lot of times, and when I rewatched it, that, like, just...
3: Like, cool, oh,
1: fuck, it, Like, Damn. It <laughs> It's weird, Like dude, the camera's doing a zoom in, zoom out too. Yeah, so, like, it's it was, crazy. It stylistically, that sequence seems out of place. But again, like I think that whole mix of it all between what Simon said—the echoing, like screams, and just kind of this weird droning—and like there's like that little shot of the blood spatter. Just it, mm-hmm. it was stylistically different than what the the than the film we were watching. And then it really heightened everything of like, oh man, this like it's not even like she it it was the first time because like when they're talking in the news reports about uh like there are these there's this surge in uh homicides, like ho- mm-hmm. murderous maniacs like going into this, I'm like, oh yeah, like they're just strangling, fighting, like biting. no, like this mm-hmm. zombie is using a tool to murder <laughs> someone. So that was cold-blooded murder. It wasn't, ah, like, going after her to bite her. It was, I'm going to stab you so I can eat you. And that was, like, definitely different.
0: That might be the kill of the movie. That's, like, a very disturbing sequence. Yeah, Um, it is. You don't get a lot of shots of the daughter's face, but when she, like, first gets up, like, the blood coming out of her eyes and stuff is terrifying. And again, I feel like we've talked about this where this is a movie from what, 1967, 68. Yeah. Yeah. And like you watch an old movie like this and you think with modern audience sensibilities, it's not going to scare us that much. It's not going to shock us that much. The gore isn't going to be like what we're used to seeing, but this movie is terrifying. And that scene in particular, that shot of the, of the daughter's face and then those moments where she's stabbing her mom, like I wanted to hide my face behind my hands, like that was tough to watch. Um, yeah, that's a scary thing. It's also like, it also happens like just
2: after everything unfolds, so it's like you think. Which and I always forget that Ben just shoots Mr. Cooper, right? Like I always forget. <laughs> That he just shoots him, which is honorable mention, Beth death maybe of the movie. That he just turns around and blasts him. Uh, but right, that like he fallen down the stairs. I think Barbara's already died, right? And you're like, okay, like it's all gone to shit. How could you don't get know any that worse fact, Right we didn't now, see
1: her die, right? She, yeah, just <laughs> just like out. her brother, she could have survived that. I think.
3: Yeah, but okay. Uh, but
1: I definitely yeah, want to talk yeah. about the lead up of Barbara and then the lack of payoff for that stringing along about Barbara anyway back to the deaths sorry
2: yeah no no, no. just that like you, you're like right to go, you're like oh my god like everything is falling apart and then the little girl gets up and it's like yeah. oh, it like slaps you in the face right that's like oh you think everything's gone to shit here's something that's gonna scare you even more and that's like that's like an example of a scene that makes this movie so effective even though it's now more than 50 years
0: old right yeah like really quick side note, but everyone in this movie has such a nineteen sixties face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you picture people who were alive in the sixties? It, it's this movie. It's this. That's movie, it,
2: dude. That's all. It. That's it.
0: It. <laughs> all
1: <laughs> I have. So maybe wait, that's because. Yeah, go I, Matt. I, talking about what they look like in the sixties, one of the details that like rubbed me the wrong way in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Mr. Cooper is still wearing a buttoned-up shirt with his tie still done? Like, no, 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 no. Like, what don't you understand? That is a liability, <laughs> sir. You could be grabbed. <laughs> you could be choked. Like, what is this guy? Like, also, like, not even, like, from that danger. Like, When it's men dress if you're... like
0: men, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotta look fashionable keep... while... You have while... to
2: maintain order, dude. You
1: have to maintain order. When people maybe, cared about maybe their appearance... And maybe, right, I mean, not to circle back to that political thing, but maybe that is, like, that was maybe a subtle way of saying, this guy doesn't change from his uh, white-collar attire to maintain this perception that he is the most legitimate leader, if you will.
0: Well, Anyway. Ben is also wearing, like, a weird, like, Mr. Rogers-ass sweater. Yeah. Which I didn't appreciate. Which also makes me think that, like, maybe Romero wasn't, his intention wasn't to make a movie about social like race commentary because like, why, why would you put a black man in that ridiculous? I have have two, two
2: trivia side notes about this. So one of the reasons that's funny is that like everyone who worked on this movie, except for Dwayne Jones as Ben and uh, I think it's Judith O'Day as Barbara. I hope I didn't get that wrong. They were the only professional actors. Everyone else worked in advertising, which is interesting, right? Like everyone else, like, worked in, like, like making images, including, like, the guy who played Mr. Cooper and the woman who plays his wife. Uh, she was the creative director, and he worked at another advertising company. But uh, the company that Romero worked at did do some work for Mr. Rogers, because this is a Pittsburgh movie, and Mr. Rogers was a Pittsburgh <laughs> great. scenario. And so George Romero did shoot some uh, shorts <laughs> for Mr. Rogers, and apparently... Carl Hartman, the actor who played Mr. Cooper, wanted uh, someone who was on Mr. Rogers to be in the movie, and Fred Rogers was like, no way. <laughs> like, that's not happening.
1: That's that is amazing. Wild, dude. So maybe yeah. they got the costume designer. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. it was yeah. the loophole for them. <laughs> they, they got yeah, they one, of one of his sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, until it's not. Until the dead no, come back to not. life, and <laughs> until uh, the try truck to eat is on fire. Face. We um, should all. We should also like to her credit, Barbara, who
2: gets some flack sometimes. People watch. The oh movies, yeah, Barbara d- is realizing that everything's gone to shit, but she's just like catatonic the whole time, right? So like yeah. maybe also prop to Barbara a little bit.
0: A little let's. Bit. uh <laughs> le- We're gonna have to talk about the zombie if it all, and, as well as some other things. But let's talk about Barbara first. Let's, yeah. Matt. I know you had some, you had some thoughts on Barbara. Oh, he looks like Good old, man. good old Babs.
1: <laughs> good old Babs. I love
0: that. Sixties <laughs> man. All oh, right, yeah. Babs.
1: So, like watching that. So knowing the the playbook. This is the playbook of. We've seen shows or or films where like the zombie playbook is like. Oh, like someone's trying to hide a bite or something like that. Like they Mm -hmm. ultimately end up turning like that's, that's always like the big thing. Like, Oh man, like we try to have compassion, but like it ended up, you know, literally biting us. Her, I definitely thought I got like, I picked up on these clues of like, she, her, like all of a sudden going catatonic, then her talking about how hot it was. I was, oh, like, yeah. I was like, dude, I think she either got scratched or bit or something. They're going to re- you know, reveal, much like the daughter downstairs ha- had some sort of injury that zombified her. Barbara is going to be the one that turns, and then they're going to be faced with a danger upstairs and downstairs. And then, like, ultimately, like, that just went nowhere. And so I was like, she was going to be a zombie! Like, and now, now we don't get to see that? Like, I wanted that payoff, and it, like, it wasn't there. So, like, maybe... I was misreading cues all along, but like I thought because of every zombie thing I've ever consumed, Barbara mm-hmm. was going to become a zombie. And like, then they're like, "Oh, our daughter's sick downstairs too. I'm like, oh man, they got this infighting and then they're going to have to deal with two zombies that they're like, oh, but we just met these people.
0: <laughs> double this my daughter. I love her.
1: Yeah. Double zombie apocalypse time. And now they're <laughs> boarded in. So they got to rip all that out and get out. But it wasn't. <laughs> That wasn't it. So I, I I, don't know if you guys f- thought that same way or picked up on those clues, but like it was redlining to me, like just telegraphed to me that Barbara was going to become a zombie and they were going to have to deal with her. That's so
2: interesting. Cause it's so rare to like talk to someone who hadn't seen this movie before. Right. Like, Cause it's so popular, right. That like that watching it for the first time after having seen a lot of other zombie things, right. Rather than this being your first zombie experience, that that leads to like a totally different expectation is really interesting.
0: I like that. Yeah. That's cool. I wasn't, I've never had that reading whatsoever, but it makes sense as a audience member in 2023 to be thinking that all of those clues that we were giving were pointing towards Barbara being a zombie. So yeah. I also think this leads us into the most interesting, probably the most critical part of the conversation about this movie. The zombie genre is massive in its own right. You know, we've talked about some other movies and TV shows that are in it They're The walking dead was a comic book first. There's all kinds of media around zombies, and it all comes back to this. So, yeah, I think maybe Simon, we kick it to you first as our resident trivia guy. What do you have for us on this kickstarting the whole, you know, the whole zombie everything, just all of it? Like, it all comes back to this, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's
2: interesting. I I wish I had something more intellectual to say about like this, like being the zombies in the kitchen. I think one of the things that's interesting about it, like culturally is that like it mostly kicks off the rules of zombies, right? Like Mm. you gotta hit their head and that, you know, if you're doing the Romero zombies, they gotta be slow. Right. And if you want to do like, I don't know, World War Z or whatever, they can be fast, but you have to make that clear at the outset now. That's almost like a rule now, right? Like, are Mm. you doing Romero zombies or are you doing, are you doing something else? Right. Uh, I think that's interesting. I'm not to tie it back to independent film history, but I'll do it anyway. Um, but it's interesting, (laughs) right? That this movie famously, like, it's so, so many people have seen it because it's in the public domain. Right. And that is the movie that was on everywhere. And so it makes sense that people who made like media in the future would be inspired by this movie because it was literally, it was on every TV station, like late at night when they had horror hosts or even just like on public access channels. And literally like in the eighties, any company could just make a videotape and like sell it with Night of the Living Dead on it. So it makes sense that this is the one. Like, it's not like it's the absolute very first zombie movie, right? Like, there are other zombie Mm. movies before this. Like, even, like, Carnival of Souls before that is almost a zombie movie. White Zombie is, like, 20 years before it and more, right? So there are other zombie movies, but this becomes the one, I think, because it was so easily accessible to so many people. And that's also probably why it was so scary to some people who maybe watched it late at night on TV when they were a little too young. To watch it, perhaps.
1: What, what I liked about it in terms of, right, like, trying to put myself in the mindset of someone as a viewer in 1960, right? Like, it just from the world at large, like the Cold War, all this other stuff, space exploration, like, this 1967, yeah. 1968, there's so much unknowns out there. And, and for the fact of, like, we talk about writing the rules, every, like every bit of, of like zombie apocalypse, like what cause causes this is like, it's some Mm -hmm. either supernatural or like a toxic accident, like something like that. And so for the fact, like they really used not just like outlandish science fiction, but they're like, Hey, listen there. I forgot exactly what it was, but it was like the satellite or something from Saturn or whatever, the radiation, like Mm -hmm. that, that also like, had some maybe residual stuff like, Hey, radiation, like it, I mean, it was right before, um, Chernobyl and stuff like that. But like talking about like, when you hear radioactive at this point in time, you think nuclear bomb, like there's yeah. no, no way around it. So like that immediately, anything radioactive is scary inherently. So then the fact that that is a real threat in your life and then go, well, what, could this happen like could living beings be brought back to dead from radioactivity that that's really scary so like there's this little bit yeah. of blind ignorance in in terms of science of like being like dude like could this happen we don't know like we we haven't dealt with radio yeah. radioactive levels like that strong like but like yeah. that actually might be
0: yeah that's a That's a really interesting take that I've never really thought about because like this movie does exist within the cold war period and all of those anxieties and a movie that we talked about earlier this season in the canon is Dr. Strangelove, which I think came came out around the same time, but is, or maybe a few years earlier, but that's like taking on those anxieties head on. Whereas this movie, Matt, like you're saying, it's sort of playing around with them in a more interesting and like loose kind of way um that you're maybe not picking up on automatically because there's so much else going on but like that aspect of it is like definitely there for sure yeah that's a good point yeah because that's like an underlying right like the sort of the
2: cold war because i mean we often think of this as being connected to vietnam in some way but but Mm -hmm. less the sort of Cold War and the space element which i like the space element that's cool
0: yeah yeah i thought about that because it is I think you mentioned this before too, Matt, but it is like, it's a science fiction movie, which I've yeah. never thought of it as, but with the radiation stuff, I guess just with that, but there is a science element to it.
1: But well, like it's just the reanimation point, right? Like it's the yeah. um, the gra- the granddaddy of reanimation is, you know, the Frankenstein's monster. That is mm-hmm. reanimation. And so like, but it's always been interesting now to like, Again, this writes the rules like nine times out of ten, it's like some sort of radioactive or toxic sludge. And like Mm -hmm. now that we've like reached this modern level, they're like, no, man, it's a disease. It's a disease. We're like, oh, man,
3: that we
1: don't know much about diseases. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There could be. Who knows? Dude, I think because that's how so many modern zombie stories like that's the frame that it's disease i think i just had always thought that night of the living dead was disease-based
2: right i didn't yeah. even
0: think about the i like tune out the scenes where they're talking about the radiation like the scene in dc I know, i'm more i'm like, like the, focused on they're all watching it on tv rather than like yeah. what they're actually watching i'm just like this yeah. is ridiculous they're sitting around watching tv <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, like, that the, guy has a silly mustache on the tv yeah One, one guy's a military expert
1: because he's in military, you know, attire, but, and just to like, kind of do a callback about all this, the arguing back and forth within the farmhouse, like even that scene, Mm -hmm. the, the scientist and the military guy are arguing as they're being interviewed by the news station. They're like, no, that hasn't been proven yet. Like, so like it, it is just this constant teeter totter. And now that I'm saying this out loud there's that other point where they're like, well, we actually just found out that staying inside isn't the best thing to do. You should go and seek one of the shelter, (laughs) you know? So like, there's this constant teeter totter of like, who is right or what is right. And Mm -hmm. there's constant just back and forth of, Oh, nope. That, that actually turns out not right now. Nope.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We also become like, we, which becomes, like, a lot of the human drama when you now watch zombie stuff, or like, Walk of the Dead, like, that that is, like, the contentious. Of course, it is interesting that Night of the Living Dead, like, they never say zombie once. Yeah, ghoul, cool, right? Right? They, yeah, like they cool, say ghoul, cool. and that's kind of... Yeah, which maybe kind of put the focus more on, like, I don't know, some of the background stuff that, like, Matt... We're talking about right. If it's not about like the zombie, maybe maybe it's about
0: that other stuff. I don't know. Simon, I was I was wondering if you if you had this piece of information for us in your pool of of trivia. But where did zombie Where did zombie come from? How did how did zombie get like attached? How did that word get attached to this movie? Was it said in another movie? Because they're called ghouls in this. yeah so
2: they're called ghouls in this that's a great so i can't give you like the the whole etymological (laughs) history Um,
1: on, but like the
2: term zombie the term zombie did exist uh but like when you think about like old classic films like white zombie like it was often connected to like voodoo like and that Mm -hmm. like idea and so it was awful it was actually racialized in a different way right uh, so I think, like, Romero making this movie never, probably never thought that they would be zombies, right? Mm-hmm. He would probably just have not have used that term because he would have thought that that was just about something else. It was definitely not about radiation for mm-hmm. him, that term, right? So that, that could be part of it. I do know that he originally wanted to call this film Night of Anubis. Uh, because Romero is a great filmmaker who doesn't know how to title a movie to save his <laughs> life, I think. Uh, but I guess uh, eventually he got convinced not to call it that. Um, and the film was... The print they made was called Night of the Flesh Eaters. Um, that was what they were just going to call it, Night of the Flesh Eaters. And then uh, the distributor picked up the movie, which was the Walter Reed organization, because Columbia didn't want a movie that was in black and white, even though they kind of wanted this movie, uh, picked it up. And for I forget why, but for some reason they decided Flesh Eaters was not good. Uh, so they picked Night of the Living Dead. And so that's where like the living dead comes from, Like not a Romero idea at all. Interesting. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. And it's when they, when they edited out because they had the master, they edited out the title, which mm-hmm. was supposed to have the copyright notice. They didn't put a copyright
1: notice. And that's why and it's the in the mo- public domain.
2: That's why it's in the public domain because it was screened without a copyright. Letter. So that's not like some people. It's like an apocryphal story that like George Romero forgot. That's not true at all. He really wanted to copyright this movie and make some money off of it, uh, and he, they ended up not making it. It was successful in theaters, but it very quickly got just anyone could show it. So <laughs>
0: wow, that's my mind is you're- blown. You're bringing some of the best trivia that we've ever had on the show. I'm glad. bringing the knowledge. <laughs> yeah. This is the real knowledge that we need. Holy crap. That's amazing. I'm really
2: lucky you asked me to do it for a movie I know a lot about. Like, you could have asked me to do it for yeah. a movie I you didn't pick,
1: know anything about. You picked, you picked the guy that knows the most about this movie and the guy who literally just saw it because you asked us to do this movie for this podcast. I th- I like That's this amazing.
0: dynamic. I, yeah, I'm loving yeah. this dynamic. I'm I'm really digging it. It's it's perfect. It's uh, yeah. It's it's really working out for us. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know how to move on from that. So <laughs> we've talked about the zombie of it all, which is obviously so big for the lasting legacy of this movie. Um, and when we, again, when we talk about movies that are in the canon, part of it is what is their lasting legacy on cinema and it's pretty hard to have a a lasting legacy bigger than the creation of a full ass genre. There are now thousands of zombie movies and most, if not all of them can be traced back to, to this movie. So that is like super important for us to talk about when talking about this movie. But another thing, Simon, that I think you mentioned uh, much earlier on that I think is, is also super interesting for this movie Is the fact that this was made for like $0 and how you can sort of see that in the film itself. This film is also like really unconventional and like the way that it's shot and edited like a lot of the the editing beats are like really 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 weird they're really weird
2: and like no scene has any establishing shot it just goes from like close up to close up you're just like
0: where am i where am i what am i (laughs) what am i doing so i want to ask the question of like do you think that 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 quirkiness is more so due to the fact that they had no money or do you think any of that is artistic intent of like we want to confuse you geographically within this house that you're in to make things that much scarier. And the editing beats are a little bit off. So you're always kind of like uneasy in terms of what's happening next, or do we just not have enough money to focus on these things the way that we maybe wanted to?
2: Yeah. I think it's a little, I think it's a little bit of both for me because I think George Romero shot almost every scene of this movie. Uh, except for the scene with the general that Matt mentioned because George Romero is the news reporter in that scene, so he's not behind the camera uh, in that scene. Uh, so I do think a lot of that is intent. I think he really liked the weird angles, and it's, like, from the get-go. Like, even the very first scene where the first zombie in the cemetery, like, smashing the windshield of the car, you're, like, fucking in the car when that mm-hmm. happened. Like, that rock, like, hits the viewer in the face right? It's like really close. So I do think a lot of that is intention. I think some of that intention is enabled by the fact that the movie was made very cheaply and that he basically had to film and edit a lot of it himself. So like, whether you think some of it is like just kind of weird and doesn't make sense or it's exactly his intent and it's brilliant, it's, just, it's up to you, I think, in some way, right? Like I think it's because he had a lot of control over it yeah. for me.
0: Matt, where do yeah. you fall? on that
1: i think one of like it's it's kind of it's definitely low hanging fruit to like just be like the opening sequence alone like i was like watching the opening sequence i was always a big fan of how each shot every beat in this film was framed because like i'm just a big fan aesthetically of like the composition of framing like things looked Mm -hmm. good the edits were like odd at the at certain pacing, so it f- did feel jarring. But that mm-hmm. opening sequence of just the palatial rolling hills and like it honestly is a master class of continuity. Like you show that to any college film student of like this is how a car should go in and out of frame and make sense. Like it just we're mm-hmm. moving, but it also like it set this eerie tone with especially the music, but it was also just the slow drawn out process. Like what what are we going to like if you didn't know what this movie was if you didn't see a trailer at all you just went to this film didn't hear anything about it all you see is night of the living dead as without copyright as, <laughs> as the title card <laughs> and it's just this driving 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 thing and then all of a sudden you see that cemetery sign with it looked like it had shotgun pellets blown through it yeah which, which like okay like I don't know if that was intentional but uh like it it was very artistic in that sense and then again like that felt like okay that was a great exhibition and introduction and then everything like honestly it felt like you could do everything that's inside the house as a stage play like outside mm-hmm. of like i like some of maybe the the weird camera movements and like tight close-ups but like it was in and of itself kind of confined in that moment in that tense what whatever the intensity was within the building
2: um matt matt brings up a good point also which is that the opening of the movie right with the car going up mm -hmm. to the cemetery is a shot we often see in horror films now like particularly in the like cabin in the woods subgenre which this movie also kind of feels like it's a part of because they're just oh yeah for sure in the yeah. Mo- that that often is how those movies start right with like the car going to the cabin but the difference is that and raffle remember this from college in our, our <laughs> horror movie class that will they i often say that like I, I think you will that like horror is like normality is threatened by like the monster mm, or the force yeah. or whatever the thing is. Right. That, that so often that shot is like the, the like shot of the normality, right. The teenagers are going to have their drunken weekend or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, but like, Matt's right. Then you, you get the, like, there's, like, shotgun hold on the cemetery. Like, from the get-go, you're like, what, the, what are they doing here? Like, they're in this empty cemetery, and they're immediately like, why is it still light out? It's 8 o'clock. What the fuck? Like, it immediately yeah. starts unsettling. They drove three hours to this grave, and they're going to get back past midnight. It's already, like, things are on at the beginning, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. It's, like, already, like, kind of subverting whatever you think is going to happen
0: to it hella interesting great callback to uh I, why am i forgetting the name of our professor
2: <laughs> i don't remember his last name
0: but great matt. callback to that guy matt.
2: yeah great callback yeah. to matt <laughs> Uh, I guess, like, there's something, like, he always remembers that I was obsessed with Transformers, so he's always, like, have you seen the Michael, ba-? every time he seen me, he, like, references a Michael Bay Wait, movie. Wait, oh, like, I, forgot. Me? I forgot. No, I forgot. It's
0: amazing.
1: I told. forgot. Yeah, I'm
2: forgot. like, I'm 30 years old, dude. Stop.
1: <laughs> so this is, like, the biggest thing, though, because Michael Bay's an auteur was, like, my favorite <laughs> thing Simon's ever said. I forgot. How could I, I forget I, such a How did you
0: forget about Michael Bay as an, as an auteur? tour? Five best movies of all time, Transformers 3, Transformers 2, Bad Boys 2. I forgot what the other one was <laughs> and then Transformers. Pearl
2: Harbor, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
0: I still oh, love man. Michael Bay, man. I, I don't care. Yeah. I thought I'm Ambulance I was cool.
3: <laughs> I didn't know <yeah>. that. Stop! <laughs>
0: I thought, am- I thought ambulance was a nice little movie. I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Um, but yeah, man, it's cool how they use like the geography of the house to to really like make you feel unsettled. Um, yeah. I feel like that's another thing that that horror movies do. Uh, very famously done in The Shining, which we're going to be talking about on the canon next week. But oh I think man. this movie has has a bit of that where it's sort of, you know, subconsciously keeping you on your toes and uneasy about where things are, where people are in relationship to each other, where the zombies are and and all of that stuff. And again, I don't know if it's budget or intent. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably both right, and it's from the get go because she
2: gets in the house, and it's not like she has a moment where she's like, Oh, thank god, like I'm safe here, right? She gets in, it's like super dark, it has the like the weird like hunting trophies on the wall, and then and then you see the woman upstairs, like, yeah, like,
0: no, 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 and then you see a black man,
2: (laughs) and
0: then she feels scared, I guess. She's like, oh my god! People do dead- write. A-
2: People do write about that scene as being like some sort of awareness of like racism. That like she that she's afraid of him initially mm-hmm. is like conscious on on like both of their parts in terms of performance. So you could be right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about movies, especially a movie like Night of the Living Dead. Like you said, Simon, it doesn't matter what the author's intent is. There's so many different ways that we can be reading this on so many different levels there are thousands of think pieces and video essays that are out there that folks can can look at if they're interested in you know a different aspect or different aspects of Night of the Living Dead and and sort of like what it's about like what what do the zombies represent you know what do the people within the house represent what is the the car blowing up to a crisp represent <laughs> We we have to talk about the car blowing
2: up to a crisp though, because that whole scene where what the young guy, Tom, whatever his name is, right, he's like I'm I gotta do it. Yeah, he's like, I can do it because I can handle the gas thing. And then what happens when they go out there? But he is the one that like sprays the gas everywhere on the fire. Like, dude, come on. Also, Ooh, like movie is- if
1: you're doing that, spray the zombies on fire. That I mean, granted, yeah. yeah but- <sighs> Zombies on fire. That's a but they're not fast moving. You're at yeah, least maybe deteriorating them.
0: But um, in the newscast, they say that one of the best ways to get rid of zombies is is fire. You either shoot them yeah. in the head or you burn them. Burn them. And they're right next to a gas tank. So maybe they should have re-
2: rethought some of those <laughs> some of those ideas they
0: had in the moment. <laughs> the yes. the fact that that dude couldn't do the one thing that he said that he could do. um, <laughs> Reminds me of something that we that we have talked about in past episodes of the show. But people in movies, or when people go to movies, we really love watching just competence. And I think that's why we like why we love Ben. He's the only competent yeah. person <laughs> in that entire yeah. house. Yeah. Everyone else is so useless, <laughs> and it's which is why the ending hits. You know, so much harder because he's the one person who deserved to live through that night. He was the only one keeping things together who, you know, was keeping the other folks in that house alive, no matter how much they wanted to, not actually wanted to, but like no matter how much by their actions they were just like begging to die, he was still able (laughs) to keep them alive for way longer than they should have. And I think that's part of why. That final moment is just like so, 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 so gutting. So Yeah. I feel like we're we're in a good place where we can where we can talk about the ending of this movie and just like what it means for the movie as a whole. And Matt, I want to start with you as as a first time watcher. How did you how did you respond to that ending in terms of like how you felt about the movie as a whole?
1: So how the ending made me feel, and I'm not just trying to say this to appear smarter than i actually am which is very tough against the intellectual likes of simon when it comes to this topic (laughs) but it it felt i think the reason why as i'm watching this film it felt like an extended episode of the twilight zone where Mm -hmm. i was like oh there's gonna be a cruel twist of fate here like something mm, and like yeah. i'm like ben is too confident competent like he's withstood like all these mishaps the the truck going on fire uh the little girl downstairs turning like you know barbara just being completely useless and i'm like dude this guy's gonna die somehow like once they started doing the posse thing i'm like he like either like hurt his leg or something and he's gonna be limping then the cops are gonna see him mm. and then they're gonna shoot him and they're like, nah, like they just saw him from within. And he's holding a gun. So it's not even like, oh, a zombie's holding a gun. But then again, the little <laughs> girl held a trowel. So zombies might, they might have experience with zombies using other tools. <laughs> That's an aside. <laughs> but that was me just making bullshit. But, Romero does
2: love zombies with tools. There's something about that. In, like all of his movies, he loves them with tools. Yeah, which
1: <laughs> which is like such a novel idea. Like I just thought they just use brute force. As yeah. you know, they talked about 15 of them flipping a card. Like that's how they do it. Um, <laughs> but I felt like I saw the ending. Like I was getting this feeling in my stomach. Maybe right after he shot Mr. Cooper, I'm like, Ben's alive, but he's gonna like die. They're going to like yeah. try to like if the rescuers come around, they're going to shoot him or he's going to like, they're going to light the house on fire and he's trapped inside or something like that. And that kind of twilight zone esque ending kind of was on the horizon for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, this, this would be a very like, I, I don't want to say fulfilling way, but like, it does seem like a, it's not all like this movie isn't about happy endings. It's about like this watch, watch everything go wrong. And the one guy who did it right still mm-hmm. got it wrong. You know, like the fate, you know, fate's a bitch. It, yeah. In, more or less <laughs> in, in um, an
0: ineloquent way. Fate's a bitch. I, <laughs> yeah, fate's a bitch. I that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the right reading though. I think that's the right reading. Yeah. Simon, what was your, what's your reaction or just what are your thoughts on, the whole ending. Yeah, I think
2: I think Matt's right in that like it does fit the tone of, right. This is a dark movie. And I think that that's part of why it's so effective. It's like so many horror movies do end with like some sort of restored order and that this movie doesn't is really unsettling for us. I think as a viewer. And I think like it could be like if you're first time watching maybe you don't expect it or maybe you do as if it's someone like Matt. Right, but like either way, it's still very shocking because the movie doesn't just end at that point. Like it just stops. Like they, they, he yeah. says, like go in and pick up the body, and then it cuts to the still photograph, which I think are like some of the most disturbing shots in the film. Right, the guy yeah. standing there, and they have the hooks in their hand, and it's like kind of hard not to read that at like particularly because of the race of ben- Like it's kind of hard not to read that as a lynching scene. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and it, that it feels like. Even though those are still photographed, they're like very zoomed in and they're kinda of distorted and it feels in some yeah. ways as disturbing as the zombie barbecue moment is, uh, after the burned up truck, like it feels like some of the most disturbing images of the film right there. Yeah. I feel like. Is that final ending shot.
0: And
1: that's for the name some of reason the beats. St- zombie, <laughs> zombie barbecue <Yeah>. moment. Zombie barbecue moment. Yeah. We're go- we're gonna be yeah. big. I'm sorry, Raph. Yeah. No, no.
0: (laughs) That was important. That was important. That's that's a great name for a band, Zombie Barbecue. I didn't even know what I was going to say.
1: Sorry. (laughs) What a dick. I'm sorry.
0: No, no. That was, again, that was so worth it. That was, we needed to know that. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. God, I'm sorry. I'm I'm fucking this up.
0: Raph is like, I just want to make my
1: podcast. You don't need to be funny. You
0: don't need to be no, on, Matt. No, I need this to be funny. We can't just... Okay. We yeah, need, I'm some the fun. straight need, man. You're doing it right,
1: Matt. You're doing it right. We need some zombie right. barbecue.
0: We need some zombie barbecue yeah. in our lives. Yeah,
1: zombie barbecue moment. We're, we're I gonna, was just going to...
0: All I was going to do was reiterate what Simon said. I was just going to say, yeah, <laughs> the, the fact that there's still images makes the, those more disturbing than if it was, you know, uh, moving images that were playing at the end of the movie. That, that that's all i yeah. was gonna say that's useless no one needs that we need zombie <laughs> no, but barbecue like,
1: but no, no like it it feels more real though right like it almost feels like yeah. those photographs were like in someone's personal like collection of like yeah there's our scrapbook of the posse
0: it's like no longer a movie and then it's kind of reality yeah yeah and i and i don't know why like I, I mean, like, you could try, like, it doesn't have to make sense, right? But,
2: like, why do those make sense in the story of the film, right? Like, are those mm-hmm. images they save for later? Is this in the newspaper a week later after it's all blown over? Like, kind of yeah. feels like newsprint, but it's, like, it's kind of undetermined, and that's also kind of unsettling, because you yeah. are just there, as you viewer, like, what the hell, dude? Like, it's just, eh.
0: Yeah. So. Also, in those, I guess because they're just still images and not moving images, we like don't get the sense of whether or not they walked up and were maybe like, oh, this was this was a real human person. This was not a zombie. You yeah, know? we don't get that, so we just assume. Maybe we don't assume. It could go either way. You could assume that they walk up and they're like, oh fuck, we just we killed a guy. We just killed a random yeah. guy. Uh, but whatever. Throw him into the pile. Or if they walked <laughs> up and were like. They were like, oh, just another zombie, another one in the books, and they keep on moving. And because there's that uncertainty, I don't know if that if that adds to the discomfort that we're feeling. But it is really interesting that those images do like stick with you the way that they do as not like the, the royal you.
1: Have we thought about, though, revisiting the cost, the budgeting factors of the film?
3: Mm. maybe
1: they ran out of actual film and we're like oh (laughs) shit we gotta uh what can we do you know what just take pictures just take pictures we'll do like a slideshow thing at the end and that but like the way that you guys are actually describing it like i don't know it does seem more so that artistic reason of i feel like someone was like no it'd be way more unsettling for it to not be it it feel hokey, right? To see yeah, that yeah. in motion, where it was just more so to that watch them weird, like walking memento. up to the
0: house, like it doesn't. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't sit right. Maybe yeah. because the story like ends with him. Yeah, yeah. That's why we I, there. There are so many different readings that you can. Yeah, yeah. Take for for that. Ending, yeah, but you I know. don't.
2: I don't have any trivia for that. Uh Moment, but I do know uh with like ninety nine, not a hundred percent, but like ninety nine percent certainty that George Romero is not the one that shot uh, the still images, uh, actually. But Carl Hardman, the guy who played Mister Cooper, is the one that took the pictures. Mm. Um, I, I don't know what you do with that, but because they were Cooper. kind of the two, like yeah, the Mister Cooper hey, is Ms. the one Reese that takes this. the pictures. Like,
0: <laughs> he kind of changed the thing, bro. <laughs> But we thought he died. How is he taking pictures? His character died. It makes no sense. He lived on. Yeah, spirit of you know, he's a zombie. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what happens when they go to the house and like Barbara is a zombie downstairs and the mom is a zombie downstairs and Cooper is a zombie upstairs. I guess it's not really important at all to think about. But they may be like, "What the fuck happened here, bro?" Yeah. Maybe that's another reason why it's still images because then we don't have to think about that stuff. And it's just weird like it doesn't end with like how many horror movies end with like the
2: like the person who survived like sitting on an ambulance, you know? Like they all end with that. Being, yeah. Like they're there, you know. With the like, cup of coffee. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Now what <laughs> happened is gonna be a long story. Like
2: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. and then the teaser for the sequel, right? But this one doesn't have a teaser for the sequel. It just ends, and it's like, well, I don't give a shit if you like that or not, dude.
0: Yeah, it just ends, and you walk away, and you're like, well, that was sad. Everyone died. Zombies are bad, but that was a great movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do either of you guys have any other topics of conversation or points about the movie that you want to make before we get into some... Just closing statements, and uh, and we get into our recommendations. Matt, it looks like you want to. Yeah, say something.
1: I, I mean, just like in terms of revisiting the the amount of gore, like knowing like the limitations of practical effects, special effects in terms of like gore. I'm also wondering, like, now I might be talking out my ass on this, but like knowing a little bit about right, like censorship or at least profanity and and. Excessive gore in films, especially at this time, it mm-hmm. was—I believe the—was it the haze Code? Is what it was like. It, they didn't have the Motion Picture Association; like it wasn't mm-hmm. rated. It was I like think it was, it was self-governed. Code. Was it because the, the might haze know. Code? Yeah. Was how long did the haze Code go? Because I—I thought the it was ha- like the- right right around this time is when it ended. But this movie was unrated. Yeah,
2: the Hays Code is over at this point. I don't know uh, about the rating. I do agree with you. I, I think the movie was unrated, but I think you didn't need a rating to show at a lot of independent theaters. Oh, okay. Uh, during the day, and that would have been the market they were shooting for, like drive-in theaters, which weren't like a common misconception that they were showing like super lurid pictures. But they probably didn't need uh, a rating to get into a lot of those places. For I would sure. imagine. I'm also kind of doing some guesswork.
1: But I mean, my, my point being too, like, okay, if, if mm-hmm. the Hayes Code had been really the the law of the land for such a long period of time before that, this is like one of the first or first a part of that first wave of what can we show? And like, it's, mm-hmm. it's jarring. Like today, as I mentioned earlier, that first sight of that half-eaten face is so jarring. And then to see the blood, to just see the ghouls, and then that, you know, the feast upon the flesh, that it's just this moment for... Oh, yeah. it's There's nothing more going on than the, the slurping and slopping of them chewing yeah. on human flesh. So, like, I think in terms of really looking at that standpoint, and I'm mm-hmm. probably jumping the gun here in terms of, like, our closing remarks of why this is essential, but I really feel like that aspect of it, of opening the envelope and then pushing it in terms of horror as, as a whole, not just the zombie genre really setting the stage and pushing it forward for this is the amount of gore that helps move the story forward. And then Mm -hmm. also using the tricks of, letting the viewer picture the horrors of like what you don't see also is just as bad.
0: Oh, totally. I think I would, I would encourage listeners right now to go just look up like what other movies, horror movies were coming out around the same time. And just think about Matt, like what you're saying, the amount of gore, blood, whatever it may be is being shown in other movies as opposed to this one. Like this movie was going for it totally. Yeah. And I think a phrase that gets thrown around a lot when talking about older movies, especially when it comes to things like, you know, gore in the horror genre is, you know, by today's standards, you know, like how gory is this by today's standards. And I think that this movie is still super gory by today's standards i think a modern audience member watching it for the first time can view this movie and still be like whoa that's pretty crazy for me to be watching right now which is just like an amazing thing to say about a movie that was made what 50 years ago
1: and on a shoestring budget like that's yeah Yeah. the crazy thing that they got that effect for
2: yeah yeah yeah, and I think it, it's like there's something about it that works that like they were all like they were all creative people but they weren't filmmakers most of them right like George Romero did shoot a lot of commercials and stuff for his company but he was not mm. really a filmmaker yet. and so this was though so they did certainly want to make money on it. I think it was like a passion project for a lot of people involved which makes them want to push the envelope right because they were like mm-hmm. willing to take risks that other people couldn't. If you think about, like, movies coming out at this era, I mean, it's just the late 60s. So there are some movies that are, like, challenging noise, but this is not the same as, like... I don't know, like Bonnie and Clyde or, you know, Easy Rider or something like that, right? Like, this is yeah. a horror movie. It's, like, way grittier. Oh, um, and it's also not, because there were a lot of companies that were making super cheap movies for drive-in theaters and independent theaters, but they were often, like, kind of boring, because they made them so cheaply and so quickly. Mm-hmm. And this was not made quickly. It was made cheaply, but it was made, like, over a period of time that I think enabled them to go ball to the fucking wall with a lot of what they did.
0: I love it. Dude, let's uh let's stay on after and when we'll talk about late 60s postmodern film movement stuff. Yeah. Dude, for sure. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> we'll talk about Night of the Living Dead. We'll talk about uh, I guess Bonnie and Clyde, The Graduate. Yeah. I feel like that was the context that this movie was uh was given to us in that in that horror class. It was like, let's talk about yeah. postmodern modern horror now. Uh we're in the 60s. <laughs> And people are doing <laughs> new things with art and stories. People are, are... making weird movies, right? Yeah. Like... <laughs> they're using non-conventional shots, and the storytelling—it's not always as happy as it used to be back in the day. <laughs> um, that's that's the how I would, the A reflection everyone, of yeah. our real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was, <laughs> this was an amazing conversation. I I had a ton of fun. I'm very grateful that you guys were able to to jump on. It's always a blast doing this with uh, with close friends, with good friends. So, I'm happy that that we were able to uh, to get together and, and make this happen. I feel like maybe because of time we can skip closing arguments, but I feel like okay. I feel like both of you guys want to. So, let's argue
1: like argue what?
0: <laughs> it, it, the movie's great. You should watch it.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I do okay. feel
2: like that. That kind of has to be the clo- like the closing argument is kind of like a unanimous. Like, I think you're just missing something if you haven't seen this movie. You know, yeah. like like I think if you like any type of horror movie in various subgenres, or like any type of zombie related thing, like you have to watch it. <laughs> the
0: gesture Sorry, thing. Wait. Simon. Could you see it on your own screen? What? Your you gave a thumbs up, and, and then, then the the there's like a little, yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? <laughs> is it only happening for you?
1: That's okay.
2: I'll
0: try it if you
2: were hand motion next time I
0: it. I think it was it, if you like any kind of horror movie.
2: If you like any kind of horror movie, like, I think mean, the closing argument is just like, you have to see this film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you like any type of horror movie, I mean, you can put this film in so many categories and so many subgenres, like. Indie films, different horror subgenres, or whatever. There's like so many reasons to watch this movie. That's kind of like I don't know why haven't you watched it yet? That's what I would say. You know why haven't you watched it yet? Watch <laughs> it, go watch it. Yeah, come on, it's fun. It's super, and, it, and it's kind of depressing, but also kind of fun at the same time.
1: <laughs> and to answer that question as to why I haven't watched it yet, right? Like it. Yeah. After watching it though, I'm like, okay, like it's that it's that moment of clarity. Once I saw it, I'm like, oh, I get why this is often in that conversation of essential films, because at least from my perspective, too, like having consumed so much other zombie media or whatever and and not being a horror guy, it was almost a reverse engineering process of, all right, this is supposed to be like the granddaddy of them all. Like I understood that like Mm -hmm. it was it was a part of the zeitgeist that I understood this is a benchmark film. And by watching it, I wanted to give it its due due course of like, there are so many reasons why. Like let's just ingest it and formulate that opinion or like kind of see why people put that on that pedestal. So upon my first viewing it and and using some of that critical end stuff of understanding the time period, understanding the budget, understanding really that you know as i'm watching it too understanding they're writing the playbook for not only the zombie genre for a lot of modern horror and and beats and Mm -hmm. as well as that ending as i kind of mentioned earlier it had that twilight zone-esque storytelling quality of it isn't a happy ending it is Mm -hmm. a true tragedy and like The entertainment, the story that you just witnessed was the it was all about the trial and tribulation of not just the outside force, but the inner turmoil, both of the individual and then the group fighting for their survival. I feel like that whole everything that this film encompassed at the core of it really, really was artful and and paved the way for a lot of very interesting stories to be told.
0: Hell yeah. This is, like you said, the granddaddy of them all. Without this movie, we don't get a lot of stuff, including a lot of stuff that we're going to recommend right now. Yeah. It's time for recommendations. Everyone's favorite part of the episode. My favorite part of every episode. Matt, Simon, you guys know the rules. Listener, if you're new, we'll explain them quickly. We're going to recommend three things that you should check out if you like Night of the Living Dead, which we really hope you do. One of those things has to be a movie. The other two things can be anything else in the world. It could be another movie. It could be TV shows. It could be an album, a band, a comic book. It could be food, a restaurant, anything in the world. We like to get really weird with it. Those are our only rules. We stick to three recommendations. None of those recommendations, if they are movies, uh, can be movies that are in the canon. So uh, we're, we're going to try to avoid giving you other essential movies because. We're going to talk about those at some point. But all that being said.
3: Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained?
0: Is this not why you are here? This is what we're here for. We're here for recommendations. So we'll go one by one. We'll go Matt, Simon, Raph, and then we'll just loop around. All right. and Keep going and give a brief explanation for why you're recommending each piece. So Matt, kick us off.
1: All right, uh, so this is my loophole in terms of it being related. I'm going to start off with my film. How it's related to Night of the Living Dead, it's a low-budget indie film that was also set and filmed in the state of Pennsylvania. Night. Nice. Simon knows what it is, I think. It, Do I? Oh,
2: maybe? maybe? I don't know.
1: It is the 2003 classic Haggard, Filmed, produced, <laughs> written, starring Bam Margera
0: and the rest of his crony
1: crew from Viva La Bam and CKY and Jackass. Uh, that is me- a great, that's great. <laughs> it is most definitely not in the canon. Nor do I think it will ever be discussed.
0: It's not in the canon. No, that's a great shout. I I I I, I love that. Uh, in Westchester, Pennsylvania, it was filmed. I, yep. I'm assuming.
1: Yep. Yep, suburbs of of Philadelphia, and there's a bunch of other, like, skateboarding cut scenes. It really is just this terrible, terribly written, like, drama slash comedy. It's, it's Bam Margera and his buddies making a movie about one of the guys, like, getting broken up, trying to get back with her, and then, like, all these weird cast of characters show up, and Don Vito, like, it, everyone's problematic Super. in it now. Like, 20 years on, this is a problematic film. But it's just it's so it's so quotable and like it's it's such a deep cut that like if you meet someone who's seen Haggard and you mention one line from Haggard, they're like, what a weird movie. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it.
0: So it's a full on narrative film with Bam Margera and all of his buddies. Did he make it? Was this made post Jackass fame or was this made when they were like 13?
1: Uh, I feel like this was just it was maybe concurrent with Jackass fame. I feel like it was just before Viva La Bam on MTV, mm, like when he yeah, got his own show. Yeah. But okay. this was definitely this was definitely at the era where he had gained a lot of traction. He was, I think, in his early twenties. Um, okay, but he like if he had done like a lot of other home movies too, like he shot on eight millimeter a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there were a lot, a lot of actual. Really good cinematography things that they did, and like it's just ridiculous. But they they got like Tony Hawk to make a cameo, and like he's this like he plays this cop who's like it, th- there are scenes like Ryan Dunn is breaking bottles behind a Wawa to blow so off some good. steam, oh, and 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 like I always ask if I'm in Pennsylvania and I go to a Wawa, I text the five people I know who know this film. I said. I'm breaking bottles behind Wawa, Like, and they're like, Haha, <laughs> that's funny. But like Tony Hawk plays a cop and he arrests, you know, Ryan Dunn for breaking these bottles. And he goes, you can't be breaking shit behind a convenience store. Like it, what happened? And he goes, well, my girlfriend's cheating on me. He goes, well, my wife is cheating on me with a man named Roger. <laughs> like, It's it's just like it's, Tony Hawk say like this weird. Shit. Yeah. Like he's a real, I don't know. I'm going down the rabbit hole on this one.
0: No, that's amazing.
1: If you were were into Bam Margera and you haven't seen Haggard or like you were vaguely interested and you Mm -hmm. like low budget indie films with a little bit of skateboarding thrown in, pop that on. It's a 90 minute wild ride. There's there's some TNA
0: and uh, I, I I have two questions. Well, one is more of a statement, but like it would have been really weird if this movie was made like post jackass fame. And they just made a really weird, shitty indie <laughs> movie <laughs> on their own. And the second that doesn't help that there's a qu- sequel
1: though. There's a sequel oh, okay. that they made that was post Jackass. Okay, it has I nothing to st- like.
0: Yeah, I actually have a, I have a second statement and then a question. But my second statement is just R.I.P. <laughs> Ryan Dunn. Very sad. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, R. what R. a legend. And then my my actual question, uh, Simon, did this movie make it into your dissertation? And I don't think that we talked about it on air. For those who are uh, wondering, Simon, can you explain what your dissertation is and why I'm asking if this movie makes an appearance?
2: Yeah. My, uh, my dissertation is about skateboarding media. And there's a lot that goes into that. But generally speaking, like, how does skateboarding media make itself, like, a subculture experience? Uh, and Haggard does not explicitly make it in, I don't think, but my third chapter is on mostly Bam Margera and Viva La Bam. So the CKY videos do make it heavily into the dissertation. Uh Haggard might be in one footnote, but that's it.
0: <laughs> oh man. We are um the three of us are definitely of an age uh where we were raised by jackass. And yeah, yeah for sure. It's uh it, it's definitely a weird generation to be a part of knowing that yeah. so much of our just like understanding of internet and content and <laughs> content creation. And like also just like being a dude in the world is from Jack.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Talk uh, about yeah. the Canon, right? That is like, that is like, canon. <laughs> of, <laughs> <That's> that, <harsh. laughs> of that era
1: of the early two thousands.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's an amazing first pick. I think this is the most amount of time we've ever spent talking about a single <laughs> recommendation but it's so worth it. So thank you for that. Uh Simon, how how in the hell are you gonna follow that up? Right, I have to follow up with three I have to follow
2: up with all three or am no, I going one. one? We're gonna do one, one at a time. Okay.
0: Yeah. Alright. I'm
2: gonna start with they're all somewhat deep cuts, but vaguely deeper than others. So uh this is gonna be another zombie movie. Uh it's a Japanese zombie movie that came out pretty recently called one cut of the dead uh which i don't think many people have talked about people are talking a lot about japanese and korean horror films right now so a lot of people are talking about like train to busan right which is an awesome awesome movie but uh the japanese have some cool zombie stuff too and one cut of the dead is also a very scrappy independent movie with some awesome stuff in it uh, and I really don't want to say like, anything about it because I think watching it blind is mm-hmm. a really good idea and not knowing anything. But there, there is at least one extremely long take in this movie uh, for real. So, okay. It's really good.
0: That's all I'm that, going to say. That sounds awesome. I'm into Japanese yeah. stuff, and I kind of like zombie movies, so I'm definitely going to check it out. It looks like Matt is maybe writing it down. Yeah, to yeah. to watch it. So, <laughs> well, obviously, I'm an, an uncultured awesome person.
1: If I haven't yeah. seen Night of the Living Dead, I'm taking notes of. All right, let's add this one. Oh, Citizen Kane. How do you spell that? <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Surprisingly, not in the canon.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Whatever. All right, Matt. So I'm going to do something similar to what you did. It, well, Simon, you you took the conventional connection point to give us a deep cut of a movie. I'm going to take a not so conventional connection point to give a really conventional movie recommendation. Okay. So my first pick, I'm going to go with night of the living dead is one of the great movies uh, that takes place over the course of one day, or I guess in this case, one night. So I was thinking, what are some of my favorite movies that take course or that take place over the course of one single day? And the only one, that I could really think of was 1995 Ice Cube Chris Tucker Friday.
1: Oh, I like that's that. Awesome, I no, like that's an awesome thing. I like that. But
0: <laughs> it takes place in one day. You got people in a house and they're being chased by things, kind of, sort of. Yeah, I yeah, you know,
1: I like that. I like that. That's uh, yeah, and that's not in the canon.
0: It's not in the canon. No.
1: Like it's in the
0: can- if we were doing a canon of just like stoner movies, then maybe yeah, yeah, all time. But stoner that's, a, that's a
2: different canon. That's a different yeah. like sub canon. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Dude, please do movie.
1: like a four twenty episode where that um, is yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: just that is what like All
0: time stoner. Yeah, movies. it's just
2: like all half baked chicken chong. Yeah, uh, idle hand
0: to all that shit. Oh, <laughs> when you're eating cosmic brownies.
1: Smoking out of an <laughs> apple pipe. <Just>.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope Idle Hands is on one of your guys' list. But, Matt, what's what's your next pick?
1: <clears throat> so, uh, my next pick, I'm going to go the unconventional route again. Again, going with a loophole. Mm-hmm. All three aren't like this. I promise. I did a legitimate one that is more <laughs> towards the horror genre. But my loophole in this uh i recommend the anti-donna uh sketch comedy troupe uh they're from australia Mm -hmm. they're big on youtube they have a netflix series it's a short series it's like maybe six or seven episodes they're all like 20 minutes each absurdist humor like very monty Mm -hmm. python whitest kids you know type vibe Mm -hmm. and and I'm very excited. They're, they're doing an international tour, so I'm very excited to see them for the first time uh, in Toronto coming up uh, next month. The reason why it's related is because they actually they had a cameo, a small bit part in the new Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves film as, oh, as the corpses that were reanimated. <laughs> so they are... They had a role as living dead in The Dungeons and Dragons film. So this is just my opportunity to tell the world to shout at the mountaintop yeah. that is Screen Age Wasteland. Please check out Auntie Donna. They're on YouTube. They're phenomenal. Uh yeah. They're just great. That's
0: amazing. I love that. I love that pick. Okay. We we love absurdist comedy. So Yeah. Check him. I might check them out. <laughs> that sounds pretty <laughs> rad. That's awesome, and I love how you tied it back.
1: (laughs) I I swear, I like. I feel like the first two ones. I'm like, ah, you know, it kind of counts.
0: Again, we like to get we like to get really weird with it. If all right, all right, if that's if that's your way, if that's your way of connecting it, that's your way of connecting it. All right, we love that.
1: I wanted to give this podcast its reverence and by playing by the rules. That's all I want. Oh, you're
0: you're playing by the rule as long as you don't try to give four picks you're oh good God. in my book that's all it right. that's the only except last <laughs> week uh bob and i bob who who writes for screenage wasteland we both gave four picks in our recommendation but that was just like a, a one-off thing that we did with each other wow uh, oh, uh, <laughs> but other other than that besides that one agreement that bob and i had we can't can't do it all that being said simon what is your second pick all right I,
2: i've been trying i have a really good third pick and i've been trying to start with my second pick. Should be. Uh, so I'm gonna pick this film Maniac, uh, which is another sort of scrappy indie, uh, sort of exploitation film, uh, from the 1980s, uh, that takes place in New York City, and it's a guy who mostly kills prostitutes. It's like kind of the bulk of the movie. The connection is that the special is some of the best work, some of the best gore and special effects from special effects artist Tom Savini, who did not work on Night of the Living Dead, but (laughs) started working with Romero on Dawn of the Dead and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the 90s is the person who remade Night of the Living Dead uh,
0: oh, and directed okay. that. So that's the that's connection. And
2: that's an interesting movie, but it's not my pick.
0: Not my pick for the canon. Maniac oh, is the the, pick. the remake of Night of the Living Dead is not your pick, but Maniac is the pick. Maniac is like, the pick. That sounds like you don't see a lot of horror movies in New York City. Uh, yeah, and you what got it it's it, the it, nineteen eighty because they <laughs> kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's Chicago. They, yeah, uh, yeah, can yeah. But
1: then there's the Friday the thirteenth one which like doesn't make any yeah. sense like yeah, that. the new,
0: uh, the new screen Manhattan. movie was in uh yeah. New
2: York, I think. Yeah. Uh but if, if you if you watch Maniac, you have to watch the nineteen eighty one because they did remake it like 10 or 30 years ago with Elijah Wood. And that
0: one, not so much Elijah Wood as the, uh, as the killer. Well, I mean, I'm kind of sold on that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're both well, yeah, yeah, we love Elijah Wood. What? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah, we're going to watch the Elijah Wood version.
1: Pop <laughs> <laughs> that on. Yeah, yeah that even a
0: question. I watch that one
1: before I watch, yeah. Which, which order you should you I do You should
2: watch them. Simultaneously, I just, do that the would, the just do the yeah. meme
1: where my eyes are just cross-eyed. I like yeah. that.
0: That's the way to consume art these days. Um, no, it's I don't NFTs like the word man. Content. Oh, dude, love <laughs> NFTs. So All for my it. second pick, I'm gonna go with a zombie movie that nice. is pretty whack, but also a movie that I like really adore for some reason. From a filmmaker who I understand to be I'll say problem not problematic, but a filmmaker who is controversial, but who I still I still appreciate what it is that this person does, despite me realizing that they are not making amazing films. But for some reason, I really dig Zack Snyder. And I really dug Army of the Dead. It has I like wild that movie kills. Too. That movie was so fun. It's about nothing, but is also about everything because Zack Snyder is Zack Snyder, and he really leans into his sensibilities. And if you hate if you hate his sensibilities, you'll hate that movie. But if you're like, yeah, I appreciate what Zack Snyder does, then you'll you'll dig that movie. I I really like Army of the Dead. So that's, my that's a great
2: that's a great choice i feel that movie is a fun and kind of weird zombie movie
0: yeah he's doing For a weird sure. thing with the with like what zombies can be he's just like he's yeah having, he's having fun with it you know why not yeah which is also
2: how i feel about his dawn of the Dead. like i feel like he had fun with his dawn of
0: the dead yeah remake. and people love his dawn of the dead remake yeah it's pretty fun he's just vibing let the guy vibe <laughs> Let the guy make fun movie. Even just let snide snide.
1: Sometimes just let the Let's <laughs> yeah, let snide.
0: let, snide, <laughs> let, snide, let snide man snide man. Release the Snyder cut. I'm here for the Snyder cut. I don't care. I said it. Whatever. <laughs> I like, every, every I, like single film. I like all I like all the Snyder cuts. I like Batman v Superman. I don't care. I like it. I like the Ultimate <laughs> Edition. Matt, what He's you an on man. You gotta,
2: you, gotta He's resp- the peacock. Tour. you
0: gotta let him Dude. fly sometimes. A- <laughs> Zack Snyder is a modern-day Michael Bay. And if you can't get on board with that, uh, then you're just missing out. You're-, that's <laughs> true. you're doing a disservice to yourself, frankly. Not up or shut up. I don't know how that applies. I've had a lot of support tonight. This is my first time drinking on this podcast
1: oh n- <laughs> nice nice
0: that what's your final pick
1: shit man this is like my actual serious pick this is like my my solid recommendation
2: get them in reverse order huh I
1: know well yeah uh because I feel like you guys were gonna bring the heat and like you obviously have like those are those sound awesome so I definitely I highly recommend the uh it's a limited series. Uh, I believe it for it was aired on AMC, and it was the Terror, and it's based on the book. It's a fictionalization or reimagining of what went wrong with the lost expedition, Franklin expedition, basically like eighteen hundreds trying to find the Northwest Passage through the Canadian Archipelago, and the Terror. Uh, oh, I had his name. It had the guy that was in um, Mad Men, who, the British guy.
0: Not John uh, Hammond. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Jared.
1: Jared. The guy who's in Chernobyl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Anyway. That guy. That guy. Okay. <laughs> Just cut we around. all know. Places.
0: That guy. I know. Yeah. It's like Jared
1: <laughs> Evans or something. I, shit. Okay. That
0: guy. So, yeah. <laughs>
1: that guy. So, I recommend the Terror Limited series that was on AMC. How it kind of relates is. The Franklin Expedition, historically, they ultimately believe that it ended in cannibalism. uh, And like the 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 crewmates kind of left to their own demise. A lot of interesting stuff. But the terror itself is a reimagining of like there was this mystic outside like terror that actually like plagued them and like feasted on them. But they also resorted to cannibalism after Mm -hmm. trying to survive in the Arctic. So yeah, uh, but it also it reminds me of Night of the Living Dead because there are like these tense moments of like the characters kind of in fighting and like trying to take leadership and do what's best for the group and like what how to survive this onslaught of not only, you know, the frigid ar- arctic and and trying to survive with their ship stuck in ice, but they're also dealing with this mysterious mystical beast of sorts so yeah right. definitely recommend it sounds right terror yeah it's it's awesome yeah that sounds
0: awesome
1: definitely a yeah good this still,
0: like totally flew under my radar that sounds sweet yeah yeah that sounds really super good. sweet and it has that guy yeah and that guy yeah, yeah that guy that guy what, is what
1: it. is the cost of lies <laughs>
0: that
1: guy from chernobyl <laughs>
0: Uh, I never finished Chernobyl. I didn't really like it that much. Simon, what's your final pick?
2: Oh, All right, um, all right. So I gave you a zombie movie, I'm gonna
0: and blow then Chernobyl take.
2: Yeah, you said no we'll come takes back to that. We'll come back to it. Craig Mazin is an auteur. <laughs> all right, we'll come back to it after. Uh, so I gave you a zombie movie, and then I gave you like another like sort of gory exploitation film. So my next thing is not a movie, and it's not a horror or a zombie thing. But it is a TV show worked on by George Romero. So after, uh, Night of the Living Dead, he was like trying to make some money. He was still working in advertising and he got some money to work on this television sports documentary series called The Winners. Uh, so it's a bunch of sort of 50 minute episodes. Uh, and kind of like with zombies where he's more interested in human drama at some point. And mm-hmm. The Winners, George Romero is like not really that interested in sports. Uh, he's, like, kind of more interested in the athletes and, like, what they have to say. It's very hard to watch this because most of it is completely lost. But there's one full episode of The Winner that you can find on YouTube or anywhere. And it's called Juice on the Loose. And it is the O.J. Oh. Simpson The Winners episode directed by George Romero. Uh, and so it was in the 70s. So it's, like, sort of pre uh, some of OJ's more memorable media moments uh, yes. but it's really really interesting uh, like a lot of like different like crazy conversations about force and race and capitalism is really engaging. The only way that this episode is available to the public is that somehow someone got a, a copy of it and it was released as an Easter egg uh, on a movie, on a soft core pornographic movie uh called the bear wench project which is just a a porno parody of the Blair Witch project and that's how this movie is yeah also in the (laughs) game and so that's how you can watch juice on the loose on youtube anytime you want directed by george romero
0: but when you watch it on youtube the the softcore porn parts are cut out not not part of it. I think you have to purchase
2: that separately and, okay. and reconstruct that viewing experience I just, if you're interested. Okay. So it's an I Easter egg so- on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like if I buy that DVD, I can find Yeah, that I Easter think if egg. you buy
2: the DVDs on that, but I think that DVD is like long out of print. It's like a, a horrible like <laughs> B picture.
0: I was just like I was I was worried that if I wanted to watch this OJ documentary, I would have to <laughs> sit through Twenty minutes of like awkward softcore porn.
2: Oh, no, so, it's a full feature, though. It's, it's for like an hour and a half.
0: Of oh, porn. and then I get to watch the OJ doc, and then about an hour of
2: OJ. Yeah, but pretty good. Um, soft
0: porn and OJ. That's a yeah. wild. That's a wild pick. Yeah, which <laughs> I had to go out there with that one. Which kind of ties into my last pick in a really weird way. But I remember when we were studying abroad some of our classmates and us, we all bought a nudie magazine in Paris and it came with a DVD and we thought that it was going to be just like, like boobies that we were going to be walking. like the bear
2: went like the bear wench project. Probably. Yeah.
0: Like, like maybe some softcore porn, but mostly just like boobies. And we popped in that DVD and it was like, yeah, some of the most hardcore pornography I've ever seen. And it was such an uncomfortable viewing experience that's not my recommendation um (laughs) how's he gonna
1: tie this did george romero direct that like
0: (laughs) but for my final pick i did kind of want to do something that was pittsburgh related because night of the living dead is one of the great pittsburgh movies and there are only a few other great pittsburgh movies there are some other good pittsburgh content all that's to say is I'm not recommending something Pittsburgh related, but I am recommending something else that I think that we all watched together in our flat in London. And okay. uh, I feel like this view and experience was like a really special one to me. It sort of like represented everything that was great about, about that summer that we spent abroad and, you know, all the the friends that we made there and, and, and all that good stuff in a movie that I still think very fondly of. But, I remember we all watched Shaun of the Dead together there and it was great. Mm. Like we were in London, we're watching this, this, yeah, movie, this English movie, this great Simon Pegg movie. And I'd still freaking adore that movie. And if you're going yeah. like comedy zombie flick, I think that's still the go-to. So yeah, yeah. I think it makes sense to, to recommend it here. That movie kicks ass.
1: It's, it's that such a does, good does. like zombie film in its own right with, without, the the comedy aspects of it like the Mm -hmm. actual storyline of what they all go through and then like the twist ending is great i love how that all kind of resolved but yeah dude yeah i i loved and like the fact of it was the first time after seeing cornetto i'm like oh man i really want to go down to a bodega and get like a cornetto right now yeah (laughs) yeah Like
0: uh, that actually looks so really great. tasty right now. It was so much more enjoyable than watching uh hardcore pornography as a group. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With like girls that we had met like like a month before. Yeah. Yeah. Weird stuff. <laughs>
2: We thought it was going to be like a little bit weird, but it really did. It you know, like like Night of the Living Dead, it really from the get go is kind of like I'm gonna fuck with you. <laughs> yeah, <what laughs>
0: it, it is, is like we're we're going for it. We're really really going for it, whether you like it or not. So yeah, uh,
2: that's not if even you want a little more of a relaxed viewing experience, you can do Shaun of the Dead. That's a little more our temperament. Yeah. if you're
0: if you're planning a a movie night with your pals, go with Shaun of the Dead. Don't go with <laughs> hardcore french pornography um yeah (laughs) simon matt this was so much fun an absolutely great conversation an absolute pleasure to have you guys on before we say any final goodbyes uh let's just quickly run through recommendations one more time one two three same order matt go for it all
1: right number one haggard as my film number two auntie donna australian sketch comedy trio And number three, The Terror, the limited series uh, that was originally on AMC.
2: And then uh, for me, so I had uh, One Cut of the Dead, Japanese zombie horror film, uh, pretty recent. Uh, Maniac, 1980 exploitation, uh, New York film directed by Bill Lustig. And then uh, Juice on the Loose, uh, George Romero directed episode of The Winners, which you can find on YouTube, not connected to any softcore Pornography. Demon. <laughs> amazing. <laughs>
0: I've got, I've got ice cube and Chris Tucker in Friday. I've got Zack Snyder's army of the dead. And I've got the great OG, uh, Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright, Nicholas. I'm forgetting his last name flick collaboration. Shaun of the dead. That's dude. We, we did it. That was, uh, nice. this, this was amazing. If, if, I don't know if you guys have any any parting words, any final goodbyes, any words of wisdom that you want to leave with folks before we get out of here. But yeah, this has been an absolute pleasure.
1: Dude, thanks for having us on. This was a blast. I loved it.
0: I think
2: I think if you listen to this, you can tell how much of a blast we had. You then have to go watch Night of the Living Dead if you've never seen it, because we had so much fun after watching it.
0: So. Yeah, so you have to watch it. We've We've talked about the movie – for a longer period of time than like the actual runtime of the movie. So
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. <laughs> that should tell you something. <laughs> yeah. We've had a good time. Uh, dudes, I've got my DVD right here. Nice, nice. Is that the criterion
2: one? Cause I have the same exact DVD. Really? Nice. Yeah, Not fitting right here. It's in the living room, but yeah. I got it.
0: <laughs> I got it like two months before they, they announced the 4k re-release. Um, Oh, that like, Oh, oh that's about. what I have. You have the fork. Really? Yeah. It does look crispy yeah. as hell though. It looks great. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's so good. I, I watch watched on
1: Amazon Prime. I have here, let me pull up my Prime so I can feel <laughs> a part of this.
0: Pull up your Prime account. Share it with everyone. <laughs>
1: I'm 31 oh, and I dude. watched. I watched *Night of the Living Dead*. On I'm 31. I watched *Night of the Living Dead* using my poor mother's Amazon Prime account because it was for free. a movie
2: that's in the public I didn't domain. Know that
1: it was on the public domain.